It's Thursday, December the 17th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, US stimulus agreement close and more Google antitrust accusations. First, the world in brief. America's congressional leaders said they were close to agreement on new stimulus legislation to reduce the economic pain caused by the pandemic. Thought to be worth around $900 billion, the deal would include fresh checks for individuals and families, as well as extended unemployment benefits. It is sorely needed. A third spike in COVID-19 infections is depressing economic activity. Retail sales fell for the second month in a row in November. Ten Republican states, including Texas, filed a lawsuit against Google, alleging antitrust breaches. They claim the firm abused its monopolistic position in digital advertising, including by striking a deal with Facebook to rig auctions for internet ad space. Google denied that it acted nefariously and that the market is uncompetitive. In October, America's Department of Justice launched an investigation into Google's dominance in search. America's Treasury labelled Switzerland and Vietnam currency manipulators. India, Taiwan and Thailand were added to its monitoring list of countries it suspects of taking measures to devalue their currencies against the dollar. The decision is likely to be one of the final steps by Donald Trump's outgoing administration to provoke trade friction with other countries. Britain's Supreme Court allowed Heathrow Airport to seek planning permission for a third runway, overturning a previous court ruling saying the then-government had been wrong on climate grounds to let the project proceed. Even so, more delays may lie ahead. Because the pandemic has depressed demand for air travel, a hostile public inquiry looms. Boris Johnson's government also opposes the runway. The European Central Bank lifted its ban on payouts by banks to their shareholders, but said they should be limited to one-third of pre-pandemic levels. The Central Bank had imposed a de facto prohibition on dividends and share buybacks in March, fearing that this could drain banks' reserves at the same time as the pandemic caused a rise in loan defaults. Fourteen people were found guilty of being accomplices in a string of terrorist attacks in France in 2015. These include the rampage at Charlie Hebdo, a satirical magazine in which masked gunmen killed 12 people. All three attackers were shot dead by police. Those convicted yesterday were found to have helped to arrange, fund and support the attacks. And China completed its mission to collect rock samples from the moon, the first such endeavour in four decades. The capsule containing the cargo from the Chang'e 5 mission, which had set off in November, landed in Inner Mongolia early on Thursday morning. Besides potential new insights into the moon's geology, the mission delivered further evidence of China's space capabilities. And now, here's today's agenda. Frothy markets, gambling against the odds. Share prices have been on a roller coaster this year. In March, asset managers were terrified by a sharp drop of 30% as countries locked down. Then a swift upswing followed, led by technology stocks. Even unloved companies, particularly banks and energy firms, have rebounded lately thanks to good news about COVID-19 vaccines. But could there be another dip ahead? 
Even as profits slumped, the S&P 500 benchmark index climbed by 14.3%, excluding dividends in 2020, nearly double the typical return over the past 20 years. The frenzy around IPOs of firms such as Airbnb, whose shares soared 115% on their first day of trading, also looks dizzying. Some commentators detect a bubble and predict a bust. Other investment strategists are more bullish, noting that lower yields on government bonds and cash deposits depressed by central banks' endless bond purchases mean there are few places for investors' money besides shares. Almost there, the Moderna vaccine. An independent committee of experts in America will meet today to review data from Moderna's COVID-19 vaccine. They will then vote on whether it should be granted an emergency license for use. This is the first time that the vaccine mRNA-1273 has come up for regulatory consideration in any country. Staff within the Food and Drug Administration, America's pharmaceuticals regulator, have already endorsed emergency use of the jab. Today's meeting will be televised and scientists will debate the vaccine and hear from the public and Moderna itself. If authorization is granted, as expected, the jab could be administered as early as next week. Last Thursday, the panel gave the thumbs up to a vaccine developed by Pfizer. The FDA authorized it the following day. Like Pfizer's, Moderna's belongs to a class known as mRNA vaccines. But whereas Pfizer's must be kept at minus 75 degrees Celsius, Moderna's can be shipped at around minus 20 degrees Celsius, making transport logistics somewhat easier. Arab Spring at 10. No time for celebration. Ten years have passed since Mohamed Bouazizi, a Tunisian street peddler, set himself ablaze to protest against the corrupt police who confiscated his wares. His self-immolation on December 17, 2010, is widely seen as the spark that ignited the Arab Spring, a wave of revolutionary protest that swept across the Middle East. Dictators who had looked invulnerable fell one after the other, first in Tunisia and Egypt, later in Libya and Yemen. But revolution soon gave way to a sort of Thermidorian reaction. Egypt's brief experiment with democracy failed, Libya, Syria and Yemen plunged into civil war and became playgrounds for foreign powers. Wealthy Gulf states spent heavily to placate their own people and bolster anti-democratic forces elsewhere. The region is less free than it was in 2010, and worse off by most other measures too. Only Tunisia emerged from its revolt with a fragile but genuine democracy, of which its citizens are justly proud. Strange times ahead, Britain's monetary policy. Today, the Bank of England's rate-setting monetary policy committee meets. It is unlikely to change policy just now, but has plenty to ponder. Next year will be unusual as the economy rebounds from the COVID-19 recession while being slowed by the end of the Brexit transition period. The consumer-led bounce that began in early summer lost steam in autumn. The economy almost certainly contracted again in November's second England-wide lockdown. Overall, GDP looks likely to drop by a tenth or more in 2020, the worst performance in a century. Although few doubt that growth will be relatively rapid in 2021, it will be slower than it would have been without Brexit. The big question for the central bank is, if policy needs to be eased again, how will that be done? 
In recent months, the Monetary Policy Committee has publicly debated the possibility of negative interest rates, but more quantitative easing, if needed, seems a surer bet. Blackout. Coal under pressure. The world's dirtiest fuel is the subject of a big report to be published tomorrow by the International Energy Agency. Coal has had a bad year. As COVID-19 depressed electricity demand, coal-fired power slumped, outcompeted by wind and solar farms that run with zero marginal cost. Even as power use rises, it will continue to be squeezed. Renewables and gas pose stiff competition, investors are wary of stranded assets, and governments are tightening regulations. Asia is a coal stronghold, accounting for nearly 80% of global demand. Even there, however, it faces new opposition. On December 12th, Imran Khan, Pakistan's Prime Minister, said he would approve no new coal-fired power plants. Other countries continue to depend on coal for reliable, relatively cheap electricity, as Western countries did earlier in their development. But Pakistan's announcement bodes well. The dirty black rock emits more carbon dioxide per joule of energy than any other fossil fuel. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Pope Francis, who was born on this day in 1936. A little bit of mercy makes the world less cold and more just. That's it from the Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.